Hebrews chapter 11. And we are talking about the people of faith. And we've been discussing about Abraham for the past several weeks because the writer of the book of Hebrews is trying to teach these people about what faith looks like by taking people whom they already know from the Old Testament scriptures and then beginning to expand upon their lives. Now, the author of the book of Hebrews doesn't have to keep going back to the Old Testament because Jews really study the life of Abraham. We know less about the life of Abraham than do many Jews, so we have to go back and look at the life of Abraham. But interestingly, there's a verse in verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 11, and let's read that now. Hebrews 11, verse 11, By faith even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. So here in the book of Hebrews, he picks out a woman named Sarah, and he keys in on her faith. He doesn't say, oh, she just had faith through her husband. He says, she had faith. She herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, and she considered him faithful who had promised. And we're going to look back at the promises. But before I do that, I want to look a little bit more at Sarah. And so, if you would turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. And it talks a little bit more about Sarah. Now, before women get up and walk out in anger and frustration, just settle down, grow up, and hear me out. Okay? If you want to walk out, you're welcome to at the end. All right, but I, because because what we're going to see is what the scriptures talk about, what a woman of faith looks like, and what a woman of submission looks like. And you say, "Woman of submission, I'm not." A wo-. If you're not in submission, you're not walking with God, and the same applies to men and to women. We're all to be submitted to one another in the fear of Christ. The scriptures say we're to be submitted to the Lord. We're to be submitted to the local church. So you can just let those things cool down. And let's read about what it says about Sarah. <clears throat> Verse 5, 1 Peter 3, 5. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. So, What does he do? He calls out Sarah again. So Sarah is mentioned in the book of Hebrews. She's again mentioned in the book of, in the book of first Peter. She is a great woman. And the New Testament calls her out and speaks about her greatness. We are told of her faith in Hebrews 11. Here it says that she and other holy women used to adorn themselves with submissiveness to their own husbands. So what we're going to do is we're going to look today at what submissiveness looks like in a wife. What, what does it look like? Give us a picture. And let me just assure you, long after you are dead and gone, this book will remain. And there will be people bowing their knee before this book and loving it and honoring it long after you are dead and gone and your culture is dead and gone. So just remember that. This will remain. Our culture will end. This book will remain. This will stand. And he says, 
he's going to give us a picture and he says, you become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. You husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. And what we're going to look like is we're going to see in Abraham what it meant to live in an understanding way. As with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. And before we go to look in the Old Testament, I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about men and women in marriage. And it's interesting the way our Bibles, our New Testaments, break it up. At the end of verse 21... They end there and then it'll say, it might have a subtitle called Marriage Like Christ in the Church. And then it'll pick up verse 22. And when people teach about husband-wife relationships, they start right there at verse 22. But it is a shame because in the New Testament, there are no subheadings. It is all one unit. And so when you look at verse 21, it says, And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. There is a mutual submission, man to woman and woman to man. It is a mutual submission. So then when it says, wives, be subject to your husbands, then he is exemplifying and emphasizing what does it look like. But just above that in verse 21, he says, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So let's turn to to, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 21 is is really where we're going to be reading. But but, um, let, let let me have you first... First turn to uh, um, Genesis um, uh, chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16, because we're, we're going to review something today. Now, in Genesis chapter 15, a promise was made to Abra- Abram. At, the, at the, that time, his name was Abram. God eventually changed his name. promise was na- made to Abram, saying, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son. Now, at the time, Abram was like, like uh, uh, 85 years old or something, or over 80 years old. And, and Sarah then was over 70 years old because she was 10 years younger than, than, than Abram. The, there was no inclusion of Sarah in this promise. So in, Acts, in, in, in Genesis chapter 16, Sarah, in deference to her husband, tries to provide for him a child. She's unable to get pregnant, so she tries to provide for him a child by giving her handmaid. Again, that sounds very strange to us, but I assure you it would be strange to them to hear that today in our culture an egg is taken from a woman who can't carry a child and mixed with the sperm of a man and then placed in a surrogate mother to have a baby for this first couple. I'm sure Abraham and Sarah would go, now that's weird, that's strange culture. So, so we, we do these types of things. And sometimes when a woman cannot bear a child and does not have eggs, they will get an egg from another woman, mix it with the sperm of, of, of the husband, and then, and then a, a child will be born from that. Again, so these sort of things are done. In that culture, Sarah tried to, to in deference, she turned over her handmaid. It was given to Abram as a wife, and that handmaid was going to bear a child for Abram. This was out of deference to her husband. It says in verse 1 of of Genesis 16, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. The intent was that that child would be as if Sarah herself was having that child. 
And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. And Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan. Abram's wife, Sarah, Sarai, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as his wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. So Hagar turned on her. That was never supposed to happen. It wasn't then until Acts, until Genesis chapter 17 that Sarah is included in the promise and Abram is told that it's actually going to be through your wife, Sarah is going to bear the child. Abraham busts out laughing and then in verse 18 that Sarah is included again in Sarah's hearing that she's going to be included. Now we're going to look at Genesis chapter 21, the birth of this child. Genesis chapter 21. Let's start reading at verse 1. Then the Lord took note of Sarah, and as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the appropriate time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Okay, so look at this chapter. This is in the book of Genesis. God keys in on a woman, even in the book of Genesis. And he now visits this woman. This woman, one could argue, even had greater faith than Abraham because she was not given all these promises over this longer period of time. All she could do was hear what her husband heard from the Lord. It wasn't until much later that God started gave her a promise in her own hearing. It wasn't until Genesis chapter 18 that the promise was made in her own hearing. It says in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 21, Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised, so Sarah conceived. You see how it is. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. God says, I'm all about blessing Sarah. This is even in the book of Genesis. He's all about blessing this woman. And then what he does is he has the writers of the New Testament reference her several times, this great woman of faith. He says, Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And then it it goes on down that they, they named the child Isaac, which means he laughs because Abraham had busted out laughing when God told him he was going to have a son through Sarah. Now, Abraham was 100, and, and by the way, Sarah's laugh was just little. Abraham's laugh was big. Now, now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Verse 6, Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. She is saying, look at what has happened in my heart. I am 90 years old. And she's rejoicing. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. That's the key. I have borne him a son in his old age. Why wouldn't she say, I have finally had my child. I have had my child. No, 
she was directed toward her husband. She said, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. This is what I wanted to do. I have borne him a son in his old age. In his old age. It wasn't about her. Again, it was all about her husband. Do you understand what faith and submission looks like? It is honoring the other in marriage. It is a total self-donation, one for the other. If this word, if this thought, if this action is not in the other's best interest, it is not the love of God. It is not the love of God. And that's why outside the confines of marriage, to be having a sexual relationship outside the confines of marriage, it is a lie. You cannot say, this is in your best interest. No, it is all about me and myself and my own feelings. It is never in the other's best interest. You will never know. You will never know the innocence that is supposed to be intended in marriage if you're having this sort of relationship outside the confines of marriage, because it is, is this word, is this thought, is this action in the other's best interest? If it is not, it is not the love of God. She was all about her husband. I have borne him a son. Why didn't she say, I have borne a son? No, I have borne him a son in his old age. This is all about my husband. The New Testament calls her a great woman multiple times. And you can become her children. And this will bring great contentment in your marriage. If a marriage is all about me, not about my spouse, there are real problems in a marriage. But if if one is trying to honor the other, and that's exactly what you see here. She She said, it's all about Abraham. I have borne him a son in his old age. I am so glad that God has now visited me so that I can bless my husband. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on that day, on the day that Isaac was weaned. So Ishmael, the son through Hagar, was now 14, because it says that Abraham was 86 when, when Hagar gave birth to, to Ishmael. So that would make, that would make uh, uh, Ishmael 14 when Isaac is born. So now they have a big celebration for him on the day when he's weaned, which is probably about two years old. Maybe a little older, but let's just say about two. That would make Ishmael about 16 and Isaac, his little little half-brother, two. Now let's see what happens. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. Therefore she said to Abraham, Drive out this maid and her son. For the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. For for through Isaac, your descendants shall be named. And the son of the maid and of the son of the maid, I will make a great nation also. Because he is your descendant. So, Sarah, so Abraham rose early in the morning and took a bread, took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder. And he gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. I have been in Beersheba several times. Beersheba is where Ben Gurion University is, and south of that they have the 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 the. Uh, uh, 
water and, and solar energy station. And I've gone there several times and I, because I collaborate with the people there. And it is desolate. I mean desolate. You, you just look out there and you go like, whoa. I would hate to be outside there. It is just a foreboding desert. But he had to send her out. God had made a promise in verse 13 that I'm going to make a great nation out of Ishmael. Trust me. And he had also made a promise about Ishmael in, in Genesis chapter 17, verse 20 to, to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make him a, a, over 12 princes. Meaning, and that, that is the, the origin of the Arab nations today, was from Ishmael. And, uh, and God made him a promise. So when, when he eventually offers up Isaac, he was not offering up his first son. He was actually offering up his second time he was offering up a son because here he had offered up Ishmael. He went through a lot. It takes a lot to walk with God. But what I want to focus in on today is that Sarah saw this 16-year-old boy mocking her 2-year-old child. And why should that get her so worried? Because she well knew the story of, of Adam and Eve and their firstborn Cain slaying Abel. She well knew that story. And this wasn't just a, a, a simple teasing. This was a mocking, a 16-year-old toward a 2-year-old. And she knew the mother of this boy. How from the moment she got pregnant, she looked at Sarah with this disdain. How do we know that God does not approve of Hagar? Well, remember, in the first portion it says, Hagar was given and Abraham took her as his wife. He wasn't going to take her as a concubine. Wasn't going to, he made her his wife. Look how God now refers to Hagar. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian. doesn't say Hagar, Abraham's wife, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. Therefore she said to Abraham, Drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. It doesn't even call her the wife. God doesn't have a very high respect for her either. God saw the way she looked at Sarah in disdain when Sarah had made an agreement with her. She saw this boy mocking and she goes to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son for this son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. Now how does that fit into your framework of submissive wife? This is the model of a submissive wife. So submission doesn't mean that well, whatever you say, I'll do. I mean, she has a very active role in this home. Very active role. And so much, she says, drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. And so what does Abraham do? Did he say, the man's in charge of the home. Does he do that? The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. I mean, he's torn within him. Do you have trouble? Do you ever see, have you ever seen troubles in your family life between your mother and your father? It's not necessarily unusual. Look, it's right here. I mean, there's a big disagreement between them. And, and Abraham's like, you know, he doesn't give us all the details, but it, how can I send her out there? Look at this wilderness. You want me to drive her out? I mean, what about the boy? He's only 16 and with the mother, and I'm, you wouldn't just give her a sack of water and send her out? 
And then what does he do? He talks to God about it. The man prays about it. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. For through Isaac, your descendant shall be named. God says to Abraham, listen to your wife. He takes the wife's side. I thought, where's the submission in this? This is mutual submission. It's mutual self-donation. One for the other. Because Sarah was seeing something that was going to come into this home that could affect this little boy, this two-year-old boy. She was perceiving something that was a threat to this child. This happens in marriages. God has given women an amazing sense, an amazing sense of things. I remember when, when, when we were in graduate school, there was this couple living just upstairs from us in the married student housing. And, and they started having marital troubles and, and her husband, uh, uh, Joe would go storming out at night. And so we would invite her to come and to just, you know, talk with us in her home. And, and, and I remember this one day she, she came down to talk to us about this and, uh, uh, she was dressed in a certain way and she started looking at me in a certain way and I didn't really get it. And after she left, Shireen said, I didn't like the way she was looking at you. I was clueless. She said, I didn't like the way she was looking at you. And I, I just brushed it off. I said, yeah, she's just been through a lot. Well, this happened again and again. And then one day, I was working in the laboratory, and I got a call. There were no cell phones in those days. We had these things in the lab called a telephone and had a wire to a, <laughs> goes into the wall. And... and uh, um, and she'd call me in the lab because you could call the university switchboard and you'd say who you want. And a person would say, okay, here is their number. And, they, and, and, uh, and she'd call me. She says, Joe just beat me and, and, uh, and, and I need your help. And so immediately my antenna went up and I said, okay, well, I'll, what I'll do is I'll call Shireen and I'll ask her to go and, and visit with you. She said, I have bruises all over my body and I want you to see them. Now, I knew there was a problem with that. I knew immediately, it was exactly what Shireen had said. And I said, I will send Shireen and one of her friends and they will come and talk to you. And that was it. And I, and I just said, Shireen saw something long before I did and she warned me. There was another occasion more subtle. And this was just about 15 years ago. I was counseling a, a, a young guy and, and he and I really started building a relationship where, where, where I, I liked him. I liked him, and, and, and uh, um, it was interesting because we, we would try to get along and, and talk and, and, and talk with one another. And his wife, well, Shireen had warned me. She said one day, she said, I have a funny feeling about his wife. And I was like, this is not about his wife. He and I are just meeting. I'm counseling him, instructing him. But then I noticed when he and I would get together, we would say, okay, we'll meet at Starbucks in such and such a time. The 10 minutes after we would sit down and start talking, his wife would show up. Then his wife started calling my cell phone. And I saw exactly what Shireen was talking about. And she said, I want you to have nothing to do with that man. I said, but he and I, we're friends. She said, have nothing to do with that man. Because she saw something. And I know a little bit of the pain that Abraham's going through because I had to tell this young guy 
who looked to me like a spiritual mentor. And I couldn't tell him the rationale. I couldn't say, well, your wife's been hitting on me, that's why. I couldn't do that. But I, I, could, I did say, I just can't meet with you anymore. And he was like, just broken. He said, what have I done? I said, you have done nothing, but I just can't meet with you anymore. And you say, well, doesn't he need the Lord? Wasn't it good? Somebody else will go and do that. The Lord will provide somebody else. I had to protect my family. I had to protect my family. My wife has this very nice way of getting in my face. I come home and she served me a nice meal. She waits until, you know, I've eaten and everything. And then she'll sit down and she'll look me right in the face and she says, there's an issue you need to address with one of the children. And if I'm still not getting it, uh, yeah, yeah, they'll be all right. She takes her hands and she puts them on my face and she says, you need to deal with this issue. This is submission. This is mutual self-donation, one for the other. She doesn't just, you know, I walk in the door and just, yeah, 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 yeah. she doesn't do that. <laughs> just so tenderly, makes me a nice meal and then starts explaining to me the issue. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. There's nothing wrong in this. This is actually the way it's supposed to be. Now, Sarah kind of lost it here. And Abraham took it to the Lord. But the Lord said, listen to your wife. So here is a woman of submission that it says you become her children if you're like her. And we get these you know, these red words, I submit, I don't do that, that's not my culture, I, that's not me, I'm an independent woman. No, <laughs> this is not what it's about. It's a, it's a mutual self-donation, one for the other. She assessed a risk for the family, for her child. Women in marriage have this amazing sense for threats that are going to come and risk the family. An amazing sense for this. I don't know how they do it. But women know exactly what other women are thinking concerning their husband. They really do. Is there anyone else here married that can attest to that? Okay. Yeah, there you go. I mean, women just understand the look of another woman when it's toward their husband. They just get that. And, and uh, men would do very well to learn to pay attention to this. Because you guard your family. And I have counseled with many men that have destroyed their families for not taking heed. Thinking that, oh, this person, they just need the Lord. I'm sharing with them. I say, let them go. Let them go. Let them go to hell if they have to. God will take care of them. Protect your marriage. Protect your marriage. That comes first. You protect your marriage so that you can witness another day to somebody else. Protect your marriage. If God wants them in heaven, He'll provide somebody else if it's a threat to your marriage. Now, I, you know, I'm all for going out and attacking in the cause of the gospel and not sitting back and just saying God is going to save them. But when it comes to protection of your home, if you lose that, you've lost everything. You've lost the witness. You have to protect that. This is the model of a woman of submission. This is the model of a woman of faith 
who is protecting her home. And then Abraham now has to rely on this. And so interesting, God comes and says, listen to your wife. Listen to your wife. This is painful. It says it distressed Abraham. He has to send out his 16-year-old boy and his wife, put a sack of, of water on her shoulder and say, go. But how could he do this? Because God gave him a promise. And the son of the maid, I will make a nation also because he is your descendant. God had made a promise to Abraham, I'll care for her. And then you can read the story about how she went on into the wilderness, they were out of water, an angel visits her, and God blesses them. God protects them. Why? Because of Abraham. Because of Abraham. And this is what I tell men all the time. If you want to have protection in your marriage, you learn to come under authority. The Bible says man is the head of woman, God is the head of Christ, uh, uh, man is the head of woman. Christ is the head of man. God is the head of Christ. So I thought, I thought Jesus and God are one. They're equal. They are. But he submitted himself to the Father. And this is what I see. I see men who come and their wives, and they are not getting along at all. And they say, my wife doesn't listen to me. My kids don't listen to me. And I say, it doesn't surprise me. Because you have no authority in your life. You have no accountability in your life. You're not submitted to the local church. And so you have come out of this umbrella of protection from God, of being under the authority of others. You've come out and you've exposed your whole family. It's no doubt they're going to rebel against you. No doubt. I honor church authority. Roger, the pastor here, is my friend. I knew him from the time he was a thin youth pastor. Tall. And and I knew him. And he used to get together with me and I give him counsel and, you know, this is kind of what I do with young people. I give them advice. You know, they come to me in two seconds. I know what they have to do. Do this and you'll be fine. And, <laughs> and, and I would give him advice and we'd get together and I saw him progress and move on up. Not easy to go from youth pastor to being senior pastor of two big churches. And I saw him come up. But now, when he calls me and I see it's Roger calling me, I'm like, gulp. What have I done, Roger? You haven't done anything. And because I'm submitted to the local church, because I honor him in his position, in his position, I serve in this class at the pleasure of the church leadership. If they were to tell me, Jim, I think you've done it long enough, let somebody else lead that class, I'd be like, no complaint, I'll step down. Why would I do that? Because I honor them and I trust them and I trust their judgment. Now, there have been many times where they've made decisions and I've said, you know, I don't really agree with that. I'll honor that, but I don't agree with that. And here's the reasons why. And many times they've said, oh, you got a good point. <laughs> and they, they, they backtracked. So we have that sort of relationship. So just honoring doesn't mean that you don't speak up. I've seen them gone totally go totally from going one direction, totally to another direction, just on my saying, I don't agree with that, and here's the reasons why. And, and they, are, they understand enough, and we have enough trust for one another that we trust each other. This is what relationship means. But still, I'm under their authority. And that provides great protection for my wife and for my children. All those under me are protected because I stay under the umbrella of the authority of God through the local church. You see that with Sarah. And this is why she's so spoken about in the New Testament as a woman of honor. He said, you can become her children if you be like her. 
Be like her. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. Be like her. And you can become her children. And men, learn to listen to your wives, especially when it comes to the protection of the family. I mean, they have this amazing sense of protection. Listen to them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so much for Your Word. And I pray Your protection upon these young people. That You would protect them in their marriages. That You would protect their homes. And Father, that they would understand this mutual submission one to another. This protection one for another. That the wives would want to honor their husbands. And the husbands would listen to their wives. Father, I pray that they would understand what it means to have a good home and a good relationship. Father, protect them, I pray. Protect them. Father, for those here who do not know you, Lord, I pray that this day they would pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner. Forgive me and come into my life. Lord, I commit these young people to you. I want so much, Lord, for them to have good homes and good marriages, and good relationships. Teach them to honor your word and to understand that your word means good for them. The blessings and the peace of God be upon them. In the name of Jesus, amen.